0: I'm David Porter, author of Five Minutes to Live. Just a few things to note about the podcast. First, if you want to purchase Five Minutes to Live, the link is in the description of the podcast, but can be purchased online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and even at Walmart and Target online. I've also listed my Facebook and Twitter links. I'd love to hear from you, especially if you're enjoying the book. In this series, we're going to read through 5 Minutes to Live, chapter by chapter, releasing a new chapter each week. If you didn't start with Episode 1, the prologue, please go back and start there. Please subscribe and hit the alert notification, whatever that looks like on your preferred podcast platform. That way you'll know when the new episodes are released. And if you're enjoying this journey, please, please, please share this podcast with your friends and family. Five Minutes to Live has a lot of footnotes for the research done and the Bible verses quoted. I'll post those footnotes in the description of each episode. Finally, I've got a new book on the way titled 60 Seconds of Silence that I am really excited about. Once that book is available, I'll go back and post that link in each episode's description as well. With that, thank you for being here. Let's get started. Chapter 8 I entered the lobby of the hulking commercial tower. Glass windows twenty feet tall lit the natural sunlight in the airy and spacious lobby. The whole space was decorated in shades of tan and gray, accented with reflective metal. In the middle of the gigantic room there was a rounded, white desk large enough for twenty people to staff. At the moment the desk looked unoccupied. Far to my right, there was another entrance to the lobby from the outside, and beside it, there was what looked like a directory. I made my way to it and realized that it was a digital directory with a touch screen. Modern technology. I was in luck. The directory was written in Hebrew letters and also gave an option for English letters. It looked like there were 53 floors in the building with several floors belonging to a hotel. After a few unsuccessful minutes of searching, I remembered something Aaron had said while we were still together on the airplane. Aaron had told me that Jessica's lab operated on one of the top floors, so I set the directory to search by floor number instead of occupant's name, and off I went. I found a laboratory Nadavia located on the 47th floor. This has to be it, I said under my breath as I turned from the directory. Being as sore, tired, and bruised as I was, there was no way I was walking up 47 floors. I moved from where I was standing to get a better view and started trying to locate the elevators. That's when I saw the security guard sitting in a security booth. While the desk in the middle of the room was large enough for 20, the security booth would have felt crowded with four or five men. I'm sure there was a main security office or security floor somewhere in the building, but. At the booth here in the lobby, there were only a couple guards on duty. I heard a ding and saw a stream of people emerge from around a corner beside the security booth. I surmised with all of my deduction skills that the elevators must be there. I'm a regular Sherlock Holmes, I thought, pleased with my deductive reasoning. I made my way toward the elevator, and as I was about to turn the corner, I heard a sharp, Authoritative voice speaking something in Hebrew. Since I don't speak Hebrew, I continued walking, never looking back. Again, the voice boomed, almost a shout. This time, I turned to see what was going on. The security guard, a hulking beast of a man, was following and speaking to me. I'm sorry I don't speak Hebrew. Do you speak English? I asked. I said it very slowly and very loudly, subconsciously thinking that the speed or the volume would help him understand me. Yes, I speak English, he said in a mocking tone. I was born in New York City. Then changing his tone, he asked, where do you think you're going, pal? Surprised and a little relieved, I said, Oh, my friend works here up on the 47th floor at Laboratory Nadavia. Can I go up or what? Yeah, no problem. I could recognize his New York accent now. We've got some new security measures we're working on. You just need to sign in and get a visitor's pass, yeah? The pass lets you control the elevator, yeah? When you get in the elevator... Place the pass on the pad above the numbers, and it will give you the ability to select a number, yeah? Hang on to your pass and return it to me when you're finished. If you lose it, you'll have to pay for the pass. Capiche? Sure thing, I said. Where do I need to sign in? But he was already handing me the pass and a clipboard with a list of names and floor numbers. Don't forget to bring the pass back to me when you're finished, yeah? He said as I was walking towards the elevator. You got it, bro, I said in his direction, almost adding a sarcastic, yeah, along with it. I made my way around the corner and pressed the up call button for an elevator and thought to myself, that guy was huge. I bet they call him Hulk around here. New York Hulk, yeah. Moments later, I was standing in the elevator, pass pressed to the pad and selecting the 47th floor. The elevator ride was incredibly smooth and surprisingly quick. It was closer to closing time than opening time, which meant people were heading down to the lobby, not up to their offices. I rode non-stop to the 47th floor. I stepped off of the elevator, praying that this laboratory Nadavia was the correct place. I looked for some sort of marker to identify if this was the right stop when two ladies wearing lab coats walked up to the elevator. It wasn't the sign I was looking for, but I would definitely take it. "'Excuse me,' I said. "'I'm looking for a friend of mine, but I'm not sure that I'm in the right place.' Both of the women looked at me curiously. "'Anilo Mivin, one of the women said. "'Atayoko alze?' said the other. Oh, no, I said. Again, I said the only Hebrew word I knew to them. Shalom, and waved them on their way. They smiled, gave a slight chuckle, and the two lab coats stepped onto the elevator. This might be harder than I thought. I wonder if the New York Hulk downstairs might agree to be my interpreter. I'm going to have to explain things to him. Maybe that won't be such a bad thing. Maybe the building security should know what's going on. A million thoughts a second were passing through my brain when I heard, Excuse me? Oh my gosh, this is going to sound so weird, but are you Matt Davenport? I had the silkiest, velvety feeling right at that moment. Yes, I am, and right now I'm totally confused. Who are you and how do you know who I am? Before I knew what was happening, the young woman hugged me speaking quickly she hit me with several questions all at once i'm so glad you're here is dr adams with you what happened to your face how did it go last night hey why are you back so soon i thought you guys were going to visit philadelphia over the next couple of days I- i'm sorry i said you're talking faster than my ears can listen please slow down and let's start at the beginning you know me but who are you i was looking at a young woman incredibly unusually thin, unhealthily thin, with skin so white it seemed translucent. She was wearing dark-rimmed glasses with decorations at the corners, and her long hair was pulled back from her face, tight and hung in a ponytail. By the looks of her, she was in her early twenties, had spent her life in front of a computer or tablet, and had never seen sunlight. She was wearing a dark-colored dress, but paired it with flats, professional and comfortable. She was pretty in a nerdy sort of way. Oh, I'm sorry, I get ahead of myself sometimes. She said, my name is Nuria Melamed. I'm Dr. Adams' assistant and programmer, and she stuck out her right hand to shake mine. Is Dr. Adams here with you? She was answering questions, but her pace hadn't slowed a bit. A wave of relief washed over me. Finally, someone who could help me. I said, no, there's been a problem. Is Dr. Kaplan around? Miriam replied, Dr. Adams talks about you all the time. You're her best friend, maybe her only friend in her life outside of work. I never thought I'd actually get to meet you, especially here in Israel. I know what you look like from the pictures. The pictures? I asked. Yeah. She's got framed pictures of the two of you sitting all over her desk. You want to see her office?" Nerea asked. Yes, definitely, But, but not right now. Is Dr. Kaplan here? I asked for the second time. No, Dr. Kaplan went to hear Dr. Adams' speech, didn't he? He's been gone for several days, maybe a week or two. I don't see him here much anyway, but I heard some people talking about how excited he was to see Dr. Adams' presentation and that he was preparing to go out of the country. What does that mean? I asked, more to myself than to Neria, Then to her. He told Jessica that he was sick and couldn't attend the presentation. As far as we knew, he never left Israel. In a split second, everything in my plan had fallen apart. What am I going to do now? I had intended to get Dr. Kaplan and go to the authorities with the research and technology. Dr. Kaplan's absence left some big questions to be answered. The timing of his disappearance was very conspicuous. Did he have a part to play in the kidnapping? Was he truly sick? Had he also been kidnapped? At least for the moment, I didn't feel the danger of mercenaries tracking me down. Without Kaplan here, the reason and possibility of them coming to the lab was small. Neria must have seen the inner conflict raging inside and asked, What's going on, Mr. Davenport? I could hear the genuine concern in her voice. Neria, is there some place we can talk privately? Of course, come this way, she said and turned away from me. Her ponytail swung side to side as she led me down the hallway toward a small conference room with an incredible view of the city. We each took seats at a conference table, and I saw a phone charging cord resting there plugged into a power port in the center of the table. I remembered I had Jessica's phone in my pocket. The battery was dead. I asked Nuria, "Do you mind if I plug in a phone into this charger while we're here?" "If it fits in your phone, you can use it. Quit stalling, Mr. Davenport. Tell me, what's going on? And what happened to your face?" Nuria was right. I was stalling. I plugged Jessica's phone into the charger. After a few seconds, the screen lit up and an illuminated battery symbol with a sliver of red showed on the screen. I loved her new phone. Her battery charged so much quicker than mine did. I was trying to think of a way to begin telling Nerea the events that had led me here and finally said, there's just not an easy way to tell you this, but Jessica is missing. She's been kidnapped. That's basically what happened to my face. I let that hang in the air for a moment and then began telling Nuria everything that had happened in the last 20 hours. End of chapter 8. If you're still here, thanks for sticking around. I hope you enjoyed that reading. If you want to purchase 5 Minutes to Live, the link is in the description below, and you can find my Facebook and Twitter links there as well. Drop me a line. Please subscribe and hit the bell so you know when the next chapter is released. And if you're enjoying this, please share it with your friends and family. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time.